and welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella, and as always, I'm going to be joined by Stab's editor-in-chief, Buck, aka Big Dick Power Surfer. This week, we have quite a few things to cover. Um, while we didn't get to see any surfing done at Margaret River this week, that'll be happening now, pretty much as you're listening to this, we did have some interesting WSL news, and primarily, it was that their new reality show dropped. It's called Make or Break, and as a member of the press, Buck was given early access to it, so he got to watch it. He wrote a really good review on the site, and he's going to go over kind of some of the key points that he learned about the show on this podcast. Beyond that, we have some really, really interesting stories, like one where a few surfers went to Russia, and they pretty much landed on the day that the invasion in Ukraine started. So it's this crazy political visa immigration-fueled hunt for waves, it's frigid, Um, they're on helicopters, and it's just pretty much a crazy story, and spoiler alert, they ended up finding really, really insane world-class waves. Um, We're also going to talk about our surf sin for the week, which is interesting, and beyond that, we have a former surf sinner submit their penance, which is always something that we're aiming for, so well done to our friend Tom. Um, yeah, there's there's a few other things we talk about. John John vlogs, um, people nearly breaking their necks. It's it's an interesting week, despite the fact we didn't have competitive surfing this week. So let's just jump straight into it. Buckley, we're back again. It's already been a week. I can't believe it. I feel like we were just talking yesterday. You know, they just fly by. They just fly by. And now a new episode for let's just call them viewers podcast viewers (laughs) yeah well unfortunately i thought we were going to have a bit of cusp action this week but the the margaret river it just refuses to break so that'll be coming up presumably in another week that we get to talk about the ct Ooh, we got some good stuff on the wa note i really hope it goes to uluwatu for just like no reason this time that'd be really fun i like that (laughs) but big news this week big news all over the joint what have you been up to? I've been surfing uh, waist high waves on a 5.0 I've had for five years and still just feeling good for some reason when it goes backwards. I just, every time I'm like, oh yeah, I got it to go backwards and then I get happy. And it uh, just doesn't stop happening. It's fun. Have you ever considered just getting a board with backwards fin boxes so you don't even have to go through the trouble of turning around? You just start off backwards? Man, I've had the dumbest ideas over the years about <laughs> fins up near the nose and it's just i'm i'm really fortunate that i'm bad at my hand with like my hands because if i had any shaping skill you would really see some nightmarish creations um in the water and really be horrific for everybody all right well we've been spared fortunately by god's will and yeah i guess with that let's get into this week's news review make or break is easily easily the best ever portrayal of the world of competitive surfing and its characters it's here folks make or break is here by the time this episode drops it'll be on apple tv plus uh your boy buck was fortunate enough to get an advanced screener so i'm in this weird spot now where like i'm the only one me and my wife actually i can talk to her (laughs) about it which she doesn't want to talk about it but I can't, like, I I could tell people about it, but nobody else really knows what I'm talking about. I feel like I'm the only person in the world who's seen it. <laughs> um, definitely the only person in my world who has seen it, and um, it's great. 
So do we need any sort of spoiler alert warning on here? Like, yeah, what are we getting ourselves into? Because a lot of people who are listening to this, I presume, want to watch it for themselves. I haven't seen it yet. So are we going to learn anything here that you wouldn't want to learn if you want to go into it with kind of a clear head? I don't think so. Basically, there's seven episodes and it takes like a loosely chronological path through the 2021 CT, which started in 2020 at Pipeline and Honolulu Bay in December. But it goes kind of event by event. Like there's way more they pull out of certain events. Like they kind of glaze over. You don't see too much from the surf ranch. Um, But if you're a fan of surfing, you already know what happens at each of these things. And you're already pretty aware of the storylines that they cover. Like they didn't really uncover anything that, that somebody who's really tuned into surf media wouldn't have known about, you know, there's nothing really hugely surprising, but they just tell the story so well. And they do such a good job of pairing like a story with the event narrative. Uh, A good example of that is they do an episode on the rookies. Like basically this, this came down to them filming Gabriel at the Rip Girl House at Pipe in 2020 and Morgan Sibilic and Matthew McGillivray are just around the house and they're like okay yeah, who are these guys they're sleeping in the dungeon okay they're on the tour too like and they just saw it they had this kind of cool chemistry and like walked away from you know went there to film Gabe and then walked away from like well there's a cool story here too these people from South Africa and Australia have this bond and they're trying to like figure it out on tour together and so with Morgan being from Newcastle they picked that that event to focus on him and Matt. And that ended up being the event where Morgan broke his toe and then beat John John. So like, there's a few instances like that where they happen to pick up on this thread and focus on it for an event that it ended up working so well. Like Morgan being John John. Another good example is the episode where they really focus on Steph is going into Mexico and she wins that. And it's like, there's a few things like that that they, a little bit of luck, but I know they also did the research. Yeah, and sorry, just to go back to a certain point, this is just like one of my favorite things about surfing and what sets us apart from other quote-unquote sports. The fact that you have people who are on like the elite tour, like the top, top level of the sport, and they're sleeping in a place called the dungeon. <laughs> like, imagine watching like the F1 show, right? And like, all these guys are like so rich and they can stay wherever, they can eat wherever, they probably fly private jets everywhere they go. And then here you have two surfers who are just like, you know, yeah, they're rookies and they haven't really proven themselves yet and they haven't had a chance to like make a ton of money. But it's just, it's so, it's such a great part of our culture, I think. Like, how much you really do have to come and like prove yourself before anybody gives a fuck whatsoever. And until then, you sleep in the dungeon. That's just what it is. Incredible, right? Like, there's actually, it gets even worse. So they're sleeping in the dungeon, but they already identify like, okay, this is an interesting story. And this is all coming from the showrunner, this guy, Warren Smith from Box to Box, who. Um, I've talked to a few times, met him in Hawaii, lovely guy. And he just literally like his title suggests he runs the show. And so he's feeding me all this information. He did the interview for this, um, the piece we're talking about. It's like half review and then half his quotes, just answering pretty much some questions I had when I was watching the series. So he's the one telling me this stuff about the dungeon. And then after that, he said like, everybody's in California to get that flight to Australia. Um, you know, they had to go like book a private flight essentially to do that. Uh, and during that time he hears like Matthew say to Kyle Belly that he's sleeping in a truck. Like he didn't, he wanted to save money. And so he didn't even 
get a place to stay in California while I was there. And he was sleeping in the back of his truck. And Warren's like, what? You're, you're in a truck? Like, can we can we come by and film that? And he's like, yeah, okay, if you want. So you see, like, you know, they, they focus a lot on Gabriel and Felipe. And there's a good bit of John John in Ep 1. And so you see, like, you know, the the wealthier side of surfing. And then you see Matthew, who's on the same tour, sleeping in his truck. And... Um, it's it's super interesting. Like they definitely picked up and were fascinated by that disparity in our sport, which was which was really cool. And one of the things that I got from your review is that the first episode was actually the only one that to you maybe felt a little bit weird or off, or they kind of like missed a few things or didn't connect. And that you kind of told us that you feared that if the show somehow didn't take off, it would probably be on that first episode. So for anybody listening, if you are watching the first episode and thinking what is this horse shit, then just keep going because according to Buck, it gets a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call the first ep horse shit, but basically, like, they open with a profile on Tyler Wright, which is awesome. Like, it's her... She had one event back, but then COVID happened, so year off. But basically, it's like her comeback to a full season of tour after dealing with post-viral syndrome. And that's awesome. But what threw me was... Okay, they had a shark attack and they had pipeline, a way that kills people. Two things that they had to cover in this thing. And I've watched all of Drive to Survive and I feel like it's so intense and they play up the drama and they play up like the life or deafness of everything. And like, you know, they have an event where they had to move it because somebody died because a shark ate them 30 minutes before a heat was supposed to start. And that felt glazed over to me. And that like, that's just like one in a million type thing. Like the most dramatic thing that can pretty much happen in our sport. Same with pipe, like any event at pipe where, you know, even this winter, like we were there, people were getting hurt every single day. People were getting concussed. People have died there. Like nothing in surfing, in surf competition can be more dramatic than that wave. And both those things I felt just were kind of glazed over and like awkwardly casual. And I should have known better because like I said, the Tyler Wright thing was so good. What their real skill is, is showing you who these people are, who they are as people, not as surfers, right? We're so used to seeing them as surfers and we feel like we know them in that way, but they just do such a good job at showing you their background and how they think and how they feel. And you really see them in such a human way and that's their strength. And that's what they do throughout the entire thing. Like it's, I probably shouldn't have thought that they would gonna, you know, show pipeline the way that John John does in form, you know, it's, it's, that was a, I guess I didn't know what to expect going into it, but that episode I was like, ah, and then the rest of them, I figured out what they were doing and I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is incredible. Okay. Well, I'm genuinely excited to watch these. They'll be dropping uh, pretty much when this podcast is coming out. So if you're listening to this, you can probably go find them on Apple TV plus. And uh, yeah, if you don't have a subscription, just hit up Buck and he'll send you the codes to uh, the, the press screener, right, Buck? You can't get in trouble for that, can you? I mean, now that I'm through it, I might as well, right? <laughs> um, and one thing I'm really interested because as the title of the story tells you, I'm a big fan of it. I thought it was really well done. I'd be fascinated if people don't like it. Like that to me, I would really like to see if somebody doesn't like it and can explain why in a deep way. Um, we did this exercise during the WSL finals at Lowers where we had a writer from outside surfing watch the whole day and share her thoughts on it. And we're going to do the same thing for this. Like I've got some like angsty 
music writer from Austin, Texas, teed up to write about this show. So like I am, I thought it was wonderful. I think most surf fans will think it's wonderful, but I'd really like to see somebody poke holes in it too, because in my eyes it was so well done that I, I'd like to see that, I'd like to see that other perspective. Well, if there's one thing we know for sure, it's that the surfing public will find a way to criticize anything WSL related. That's, and I'm excited to see that too. Let's, um, let's see all the dirt bikes on Instagram. How about it? Surf Discovery, Russia. Yes, that Russia gets world-class waves. That Russia is not in the title. I'm pretty sure you guys know the Russia that I'm talking about. It's the one that's invading Ukraine currently. And we've got a wild story here. Let's go back two years ago. This crew decides they want to go check out that Kamchatka Peninsula in, in the far east of Russia. There's like a crazy heli skiing lodge there. So they figure out, okay, maybe we could stay here and access the coast from here. And they're just noticing that like people had been there before in the summer and it's trippy because you're surfing in Russia, but it sounded like nobody had really been there in the winter to surf. And they're seeing the swell. They're seeing just like massive swells teeing up at the place and some days a good win. And it's freezing cold. It's like negative 10 Celsius, two degree water. But they're like, fuck it, let's do like an adventure film to Russia. This is two years ago. It takes them two years to figure everything out to get to a place where they can get into Russia and make a movie. And the day that they are getting there, they're flying from Sydney, 60 hour flight to get to, or 60 hour total travel time to get to their final destination. Midway there is the invasion. So they're in Abu Dhabi, 2 a.m. in an Irish bar. And they pretty much have to decide whether to just try it anyway or to go back and throw away two years worth of work. Um, I cannot imagine being in that position. What are you doing? I mean, my mindset, 2 a.m., Irish bar, Abu Dhabi, I'm going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. But you also got to be able to, I mean, think like, I don't know all these people's situations, but you got to be able to explain it to your partner or your mom or... Your kid, you know what I mean? Like there's, and you don't really know what's going to happen. Well, that's the thing. So they basically, they had some time, I think after the Irish bar, they had some time to reset and really like, you know, they talked to all their families, partners, everything. And we're like trying to figure out what the hell they should do. I mean, I remember that day I was in France and I had people hitting me up like, are you okay? Thinking that like somehow my apartment was going to get blown up and the general confusion that day and how it was crazy. It was such a crazy day. And to be in their position, I can't even imagine. But they decided to go for it. They said, fuck it, let's just try. We're already 95% of the way there. Shitty timing, let's just see if we can still get into Russia and make a surf movie. And they did, and it all worked out. Um, I should probably mention the crew, by the way. We got Spencer Frost, Guy Willement, Letty Mortensen of Stab High fame, even though he got hurt pretty quickly. Uh, Fraser, Fraser Dovell, hope I'm saying that right. Sorry, Fraser, you're lovely. And uh, Luke Neller was the producer. So this is your crew. This is your crew who went to Russia, served for six weeks, and the photos are fucking incredible. Like, when I first heard about this project, I was sure that it was going to be one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, crazy story, and it was probably really hard to get waves, and, you know, you could spin something there. But, like, they got really good waves. And when I was interviewing them about it, I asked them this question, like, oh, you don't have to give anything away, but like, 
anything too major way, but like, was there any moment where everything kind of came together wave wise? And they all kind of looked around at each other, even though we were on Zoom, they kind of like looked around grinning. And we're like, how much can we say right now? Like, I think that they proper scored. The photos that we got are incredible, but I think they they've got something where I think their answer to our question was like, let's just say there's a wave that will change the way people think what's possible will change what people think is possible about surfing in Russia. Like, I think it's legitimately world-class waves. They're happy to share the information too. They said it's so damn hard to get to over there. So hard to pull off. They had to take a helicopter to find waves. They're like, hey, anybody wants to go, have at it. Um, But the place is holding. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't shock me that there would be really good waves there. Like, you know, you have a craggly coastline, you have big ocean winter swells, like, most places like that do provide, but yeah, it's just a matter of who's going to have the guts and the money and the overcoming of coldness to be able to go there. So yeah, it's there for people who want it, but um, unless somebody like took me on a guided tour, yeah, I don't think I need that in my life. Really? You don't want to go? I mean, they spent, they spent what, six weeks there and like, you know, who knows how many days of like decent waves they got, like... I just feel like bang for your buck style. There's a lot of better options out there. Well, where are you going rather than Siberia, mister? I'm <laughs> going to Kandui, the only place anybody should ever go. <laughs> Imagine that's just like a decision somebody's weighing up. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have some time off uh, next fall. I'm thinking either uh, Far East and pressure or maybe, maybe the Mets. <laughs> When you put it that way, Mikey. But fuck it. I mean, you know, some people are in a position where they can, you know, take long stints off of work and go on a trip like that and have helicopters at the ready and all more power to them because that sounds like truly like a life-changing experience. I'm sure that after having done it, those guys are like, I can't imagine, you know, having gone to Indo instead of that. Like that would just be have such a more profound impact on your life than another perfect barrel at bank vaults or whatever it is so yeah well well done to them and i the story is amazing and it just makes me that much more excited to watch the film when it finally does come out yeah they're aiming to get out this year um they seem pretty tuned up so i'm sure they will but it's pretty crazy you just talking about that there made me think like in our lifetime you could do that in indo like the second thoughts crew would just camp out in indo and score crazy waves with nobody around and that was, it's just kind of crazy to think that that was an option, that you could still do that in the tropics. I mean, I think we're still, this proves it, that there's still plenty of, of really good waves, really good surf to be explored, but you're probably going to have to freeze to get I don't, it. I don't think so. I think you could still do it in Indo. There's so many islands, so many nooks and crannies. Yeah, like... I mean, just go look at a map and like, yeah, you, you, you know, you know where Lakey Peak is, you know where Desert Point is, but there's a lot of places in between where I'm not saying they haven't ever been surfed before, but I think that you could, there's not a surf camp there. And I think that you could either, you know, go camp yourself or maybe just post up at a little local village or something and surf some really interesting waves to yourself for sure. So I think it's out there regardless of whether you want to put on a 5.4 or a pair of boardies. Well, that's a good call. Are you still going to Can't Do It though? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to can't do it. <laughs> Every sponsor just added a no trampoline clause to JJF's contract. This is a quick one. We can be gentle here. We can be light. But um, 
we have a clip of John John just almost uh, wrecking himself on a on a trampoline, and it's just it's jarring. Like I do not like to see John John like that. Like it's surfing is at its best when we have a full year of healthy John. And how how would you know? When when was the last time we had that? I don't even remember. It's this time of year it, every year. It was NSSA Nationals in two thousand seven. <laughs> what a year! He won the one at um, they had one at Alamoana Bowls. And he won that, and then the Sunset Beach one, and uh, he finished it off with the win in the Explorer Juniors. So yeah, we had. I mean, realistically though, we had. I think, or not Karamas, but the wave just down from Karamas was the first one, right? Where he was trying those gigantic airs after losing a heat that he shouldn't have lost and being pissed off. He hurt his knee then. The next year, he went to Brazil and did like a flyaway and somehow hurt his knee just like taking off. That one was the worst. That one was the fuck that one i hate that one and then the year after that which or no i guess it was uh 2019 the last time they came to margaret's john blew out his knee in an event where it looked like he was going to go on to win again just doing a big old turn so or no sorry that wasn't 2019 that was that was, that was last year that was that was last 21. year yeah, yeah it was 21 yeah okay and we missed 2020 so of course his injury for a year was for not and yeah so it's been a rough go for john in that uh i guess you could say maybe like the the first third of the year and um he almost did it again he almost did it again at the very beginning of this vlog from nathan florence he's on a trampoline he attempts a backflip on like the back edge of the trampoline which was just an interesting choice <laughs> in general and you could see that he uh you know he's no stranger to backflips as we know but he kind of decommitted halfway through and he was already in a pretty precarious position at that point and basically looked like he was going to break his neck when he was coming down. And it was really bad, really, really bad, but he ended up okay. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything else to say here other than his sponsors are now adding a clause into his contract about backflips. Not confirmed, but presumed. Presumed, presumed big time. But I want to talk about this because there's another surf log that came out this week that... I think is a piece of art. I think it's, uh, if it was an NFT, I'd, I'd uh, make an offer. Three Ethereums. I know, and I like, and it's so funny because it was so well done that it was like basically unclickable. And I, what I mean by that is like, it was done by Luke Cederman, AKA Raglan Surf Report, who obviously his whole entire thing is just surf satire, right? And he's really, really good at it, he's hilarious. But he put up this YouTube video on his account and it just had the most heinous thumbnail. And I think the title was literally like best surf vlog ever or something like that. So, but I like, I guess I'm more drawn to like thumbnails than anything. And I just like breezed past it because it looked so heinous. And then eventually I saw that it was him. So I was like, oh, I'll give this a watch and just see what it's like. And just from the first 10 seconds, I was just so hooked. It, it truly was the best surf vlog ever. It was incredible. I think he's... Luke Cederman is so fucking good at that. And he's been so good at it for so long. Like surf satire is one of those things where if you get it wrong, if you take a shot at it and you get it wrong, you just look like it's the dorkiest thing probably in the world. The, the fucking worst. And for like years now, he's been doing these things consistently where they're always funny. He always makes something about surfing funny. And this one, like, I mean, you could, you could tell who's, um, who he's inspired by, if you will. Um, 
<laughs> it's uh, it's a JLB knock, but I mean, I, I would think Jamie's wouldn't take it personally. Like even I think Poopies, who in the whole thing that Luke does, he's got a guy named Feces in it instead of Poopies, which again on a podcast probably sounds pretty bad, but it is hilarious and I don't think people could get mad at it just because it's so well done and so like I think a lot of humor is just lighthearted and if you realize it's coming from that like poking fun lighthearted place which you should so clearly get from this it's uh you can't not laugh I mean my favorite part of it there's one thing where like they're gonna do a prank and <laughs> they're talking about how to make it more age appropriate because they're both you know in their late 30s <laughs> they the guy signs a shit mortgage at a bank. It's all, it's it's just, it's well done, horribly described on a podcast. And uh, one other thing that fascinated me about it is that he posted on his Instagram too, and he had poopies comment on it, laughing. But even uh, Casey, how do you say his name? Neistat? Neistat? How do you say it? Neistat, yeah. Neistat, there we go. Casey Neistat commented on it, which is, he's like the... I, from what I understand, is like the king of YouTube stuff. Yeah, king of the vlog. King of the vlog, and sounds like he got a kick out of it, and just funny, just well done. Well done, Luke Cederman. Really well done. I mean, you know what they say, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. So I think all, his only choice was to go straight for the jugular on J-O-B. And he did it well. He did it well. Yeah, you really do have to go watch that though. Like, if it, we we cannot do it justice whatsoever on here, but um, yeah, go give it a watch. It's five minutes, and you will laugh. We promise. Watch now, Rio Wida in Northwest. This is Rio's stab edit of the year entry. As you can tell, it's named after Kanye West's child. Um, very cool. Very modern, Rio. <laughs> And it's it's a it's a pretty insane edit. Um, Rio's story is incredible, though. I mean, the edit is great, but Rio's story I just can't get enough of. He is so good at surfing. I mean, he was already on this like upward trajectory in surfing, and then he was you know he's Indonesian. COVID happens, and he's just surfing the most perfect waves in the world to himself for like two years, and so. I think he's about to just go unleash hell on the CS. You think? In the interview, he talks about how he's been trying to find the worst waves in Bali so that he could train for it. So he's quite serious. Imagine waking up in the morning and being like, Karamas is cooking. I'm going to go serve some shitty backwashy wave that, um, I, I don't know, there's probably plenty of those in Bali. So he's dedicated. I mean, it's, I think that level of talent and that level of dedication it's just it's got to pay off yeah all i know, all i've been seeing is clips of uh mateus hurdy on instagram making snapper look like a fucking joke so i would love to see those two guys in the final two recent stab edit of the year entrance but yeah rio like you said incredible surfer former olympian he seems to be really like gung-ho not just on making the tour but like he's really dead set on wanting to become an olympic gold medalist which i think is totally attainable i think maybe chopo is probably not necessarily the best spot for him but i'm sure there will be plenty more of those events at like more normalish waves and maybe by the time that it, it's going to chopo he will have more experience in waves like that as well um so yeah the the edits all filmed in the northwest 
hence the name of the Mentawai Islands or of Indonesia, really. And he's basically surfing all these waves that are like not what you would consider Indonesian perfection. It's more really just playful, rippable waves. And I think that's where he excels is making like pretty normal looking waves look exceptional. Um, just huge airs, so much power and speed in his turns, like not so much in style, but just in the general explosiveness of his surfing. I would say there's a bit of like Felipe in him, which you can't really say about many people, I don't think. And, uh, he took down Felipe last year at Barra. So, so he's definitely got like a world class level of talent. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, I guess it's like the type of thing that's been happening to Kelly for like 30 years, but it is kind of funny when, especially because I still think of Felipe as quite young, you know, and now it's getting to a point where he's going to be coming up against kids. No, Buck, we're just old now. But I mean, he's going to be coming up against kids that like he's really inspired. Rio's one of them. He called, Rio said in the interview that Felipe's his favorite surfer to watch and who he's most inspired by. And you could definitely tell in his surfing. But I think it's just, it's funny when you see that, when somebody that, Something that inspired a certain type of surfing gets beat by that same type of surfing. It's uh, it's pretty wild. By the way, I forgot to say this in the make or break thing, but uh, Felipe 2022, lock it in. Lock it in, and if you don't want it, you're soulless and go be a hermit somewhere because you don't deserve society. I forgot to tell you. I just went and put a decent chunk of change on Felipe to win the title on betonline.ag. I'm in. I'm so in, and like I said... If you watch that series and you don't want him to win, you don't deserve society. Just go cut it off. You're, you're done. Well, I haven't even seen it yet, and I went all in because just seeing his surfing, knowing where he's at right now on the tour, and looking at where that final event is, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about that one. And he's paying way better odds than John, and I think that he, if he ends up in that final against John, I think he gets him, especially after the way he surfed it last year. That was just mind-melting. I've been meaning to get in on that. I've, I've had that thought and I, I need to go and pull the trigger because I'm on board with that. I am so on board. Uh, Rio Wide, I can't get him this year. Rio will be on the CS, so he's safe there. Um, and getting back to Rio, one thing that you mentioned it before, but one thing, it was the first interview where somebody called out the Olympics and not the world title. I'd never seen that before. I know that when you're dealing with contracts, surfers can pretty much negotiate like there's no kind of set rate where Olympic gold medals this and world titles that. Like you negotiate if you want the Olympics more, you will say I want the higher bonus there, and it makes sense for Rio I think because he grew up in Indo without much, and he was one of the. I mean Indonesia had 28 athletes at the 2020 Olympics, 2021 if you will, but he was one of the 28 and he was actually in the opening ceremony, and I think especially for. He talks about it in the interview, but I think somebody coming from his background to get on that level and see just that level of production and madness and everything, I can see why the Olympics was, was such a deep experience for him and why it calls him. And it's sick. I do think he'll qualify. If you don't think so, then you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> but my take is yes. Um, I also think that, you know, there's that quote, it's like, Ross Williams said that he's the best surfer not currently on tour. I feel like we have to keep that even if even if slash when he gets on tour. I feel like we have to say he's the best surfer not on tour to now be on tour. Like it's just I feel like that quote has been used so many times that we can't just drop it now. It has to stick with him like throughout his whole career. Even when he's on tour and 
possibly winning events. <laughs> the best surfer to not be on tour to currently have four event wins and a uh, world championship. It's been used so much that we can't we can't abandon it now. It's just part of it. Yeah. All right. Well, Rio Wida, best surfer not ever to be on tour, which hopefully he'll be on tour this year. Oh boy, it's time for Surfsin. I love this one. I love this one. It is from Austin and it's relatable. Mike, you might not be able to relate to it, but me, secondhand surfboard guy, I have never had an encounter like this. Um, it sounded a bit like a Midwestern showdown, really, but uh, it's really something, and let's get into it. Yeah, boys, Austin coming at you here from Santa Cruz, California. I got a little sharp eye theme surfs in for you today. Trying to feel a little more comfortable on my board, so I'm looking to get a penance to do so. So I'm gonna go in chronological order, just try to follow along with me, dive right in. So first off, I have a buddy who got a new sharp eye. He ran someone over and ripped the fin box out, and then he posted it for sale for 250 bucks as a deal, because it's just gonna be maybe a $100 repair and you'll have a new board. And I messaged him about it because he didn't say the model. And I've been looking for the Inferno 72 for the little smaller wave days. And when he said Inferno, I just said sold because I, in that moment I felt like, wow, I just scored used board pretty cheap for nicely taking care of board except for the ding that's going to get repaired. And then tells me it's 5'11 and a half, which is a little longer than I want to be riding my smaller wave board. So. I kind of was blowing him off, but at the same time I was maybe just going to go for it because it's still a good deal and I want to try that model. Then I, at the same time, post one of my boards that I don't really like that's a little heavy. It's made with a eco resin and I get a response saying, hey, would you like to trade your Almeric, which it's not an Almeric, for my Inferno? And I message him back, how many liters is the Inferno? And he says 28, which is exactly what I'm looking for. And better yet, it's 5'9", which is more what I'm looking for in my small wave board. So I say, yes, let's meet tomorrow. We go meet there. I'm not really sure what to expect if it's like a catfish because he says Almeric. I'm thinking, who is this guy? What's he thinking? What's he going to do to me? How many people are there going to be? No, I'm just kidding. But I go meet him and I pull up and this kid's on his bike in his clothes with his board in the bike rack. And he's maybe... 14 years old with a brand new sharp eye, exact model I'm looking for, exact size. I'm scared to even pull my board out because I know it doesn't stand a chance against that thing. Pull it out and for some reason he likes the thing. I'm like borderline offering him money with it and he just rides off on his little bike. I'm sitting there thinking, is this kid's dad going to show up to my house later? Wondering where his new board just went and why he has this heavy eco stick instead. And I'm also wondering... So my buddy still waiting on me to give him those 250 bucks, which is not going to happen because the 5.9 is magic. So I'm just looking for a little more penance to just be able to surf my board without the guilt that I'm feeling because it's kind of weighing me down like that middle fin. So hit me back, boys. Thanks. Does this whole world of like, of like uh, you know, peasants trying to trade surfboards to each other, is this just foreign to you? <laughs> no, I, I have actually done a surfboard trade before. Um, 
it was I was a kid and I think somebody had like a like a really cool small wave board and I had like a short board because that's all I really ever had and I actually had to do it without my dad knowing because he was like super super like this guy mentioned you know is this guy's dad going to come and find me (laughs) it's like my dad was super super anal about like what boards I was riding or whatever but I did yeah I traded with a friend once and yeah that was that was my only experience but I enjoyed it it was it felt like the way that I guess life kind of used to be right like everything was more like bartering it wasn't so much this weird fake paper transaction thing that we do now and now it's all digital I suppose as well but yeah it felt like whoa this is cool like we're both feeling like we're gaining something from this and and I hope that's what happened in this instance as well um but yeah what's what's your take on what went down here is is it a major sin and what and what's the penance okay well first of all I don't think I've ever traded boards I can't remember a time that I have I'm always just buying or selling and him talking about it in general, like especially talking about the the friend that he was going to buy the board from, it just reminded me, like, you know, I talk positively about it a lot, but the reality of these secondhand market sites are they're the worst. They are fucking awful. <laughs> I just had to sell a car on there, and it was the worst experience of my life. I, I it's It was a... I was bartering with people for like $50. I sold it to some guy named Franchoa. Fuck you, Franchoa. Uh, 2005, again. 300 euro, this guy got the cards. The worst. You deal with people, they, they ask a million questions. $300? 300 euro, Franchoa. He dogged me. That wasn't even worth your money. Like, I mean, you gotta, what's, what's the value of an hour for you? That's gotta be, yeah. It was so terrible. I had all these offers. I turned down a 900 one the week before in the same place because I had all these offers. People asking a million questions. Yeah, I want to see it. I want to see it. And then they just ghost you. These places are, are terrible. Oh. Um, so wow. I am going to focus my penance. You know what those? You know what that is? That's probably a... That's probably a second account of the person who bought it for $300. He like makes you think that, you know, there's other people out there and then they just disappear. So you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm stuck that with this is guy a good, now. That's a good strategy, actually. Franchot on your ghost accounts, you fucking dog. Anyway, 300 euro, 2005, random again. Anyway, so the reality is these places can be hell holes uh, filled with horrible people. And every now and then you get a sweet pang for 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but the question is, is Austin, that's his name, right? Is he one of those terrible people? Well, he's terrible for for leading his friend on. That's that's the that's the worst. That's the bad thing and I do that too. Everybody does it. So, I'm I'm yelling about it, but I do it too. I mean, it's just part of the secondhand thing. But in terms of the experience of the kid, no, that's the kid's fault. And I I mean, I love the Midwestern showdown where he's kind of afraid to like unsheath his weapon thinking that this 14-year-old was going to pull him up <laughs> on his eco-resin. Um, <laughs> but, no, I don't I don't judge him for that. I think I would do that in a heartbeat. I would say, fuck you, kid. Take this board. Eco-damn tree board. Um, would you? But then there's just such a level of, like, obvious ignorance that the kid's coming into it with if he thinks it's a Channel Islands and he can't even make that distinction, let alone the fact that the board weighs twice as much as it should um yeah like there's a certain level of guilt associated with that right like you can't feel good about that mikey you know how you know how people learn it's by making mistakes 
that's if you always do everything right, you won't learn. You need to you need to make a mistake and you learn from the mistake. And so this okay. is setting this kid up to have a great quiver one day. It's all part of his journey. Um, and Austin, he'll look back on that and be grateful that Austin, um, <laughs> he gave this random guy a beautiful five nine sharp eye for um, an ally or whatever it is. <laughs> the most coveted shortboard in surfing, perhaps. <laughs> for like, sure. In general terms, <laughs> for a piece of shit. <laughs> Um, it, it isn't, but then on the flip side, I think, you know, different strokes for different folks, trash, treasure, maybe this kid genuinely has more fun with this board than he did on his like perfect sharp eye. Yeah. Yeah. There's that side of it too. But when it comes to a penance, basically just the whole trade thing reminded me of, I've always had this theory that you're going to have a leash stolen from you at some point which means that you could always kind of steal a leash. You don't like just steal it when nobody's looking, but you borrow the leash and then you never give it back. Basically, once somebody, uh, if wow. you- Are you good friends with Donovan Franklin? Oh, right? wow, the drive-through, yeah, he's he is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't be over the top. You guys would be terrible friends, actually, because nobody would ever- It would not be good. <laughs> You'd just be trading the same it leash back and forth good. the whole time. Not to mention lunch would be a nightmare. If you've watched uh, the latest episode, episode eight of the drive-thru, <laughs> you'd know that you do not want John Donovan to, pi uh, to pick up lunch for you. But yeah, so I've always had the theory where if you if your leash finds its way onto somebody else's board, there's a good chance you're never seeing it again. Nobody, I, you don't take it off and give it back. The leash is gone. But you could do that, and it's a cycle, right? You know. Are you a one board, one leash guy? No, no. It's just sometimes they just come into your life. I think it's just this weird karmic thing with the leashes. Um, and it did remind me that it's almost like there's this community of leashes that you paid access just by existing and by circling into it every now and then a new leash. And it kind of reminded me of that. And so to me, it's all about the community. Um, and so if he's feeling guilty because he thinks he took too much from the community, then my penance is he's just got to wax a stranger's board when they're not looking. Somebody puts their board down in the parking lot and he's got to creep over, just start <laughs> waxing the thing and uplift the community a bit more. And yes, you have to film it. Yes, you have to film it. We actually got a great penance sent to us today. We, um, we told Tom that he had to he kind of catfished somebody with a fake John John board. We had, we told him that he had to get all John John stickers, which are hard to find now, like Yeti and Florence Marine X and just put them on his board for, I think like a year. And the board looks just jarring. It's a sharp eye with a Florence Marine X. He's gonna, it, it's, it's gonna look like some sort of John super fan. It's gonna be bizarre. Um, so we, Wax to the nose as well, which was my favorite part. Like, just he's really going for the he John. He went aesthetic. all in on it. And so, folks, what I'm saying is, we live in the era of documented penances. And so, if you really want to heal, you have to document. You have to prove it. Um, and so, there's my penance. <laughs> all right. Um, I really like that. I, I think that that's great. Nobody gets harmed. It's kind of funny. Um, I have a little bit of a different one. So. Austin here, he knows that he got the upper hand on this one. He kind of, you know, fucked this little kid over and he feels bad about it. You can tell that's why he sent in a surf sin. So what I think needs to be done is it's simple. He needs to blindly accept the next trade that's offered to him. You know, 
um, whether it's for, you know, a car or uh, a buddy comes over and he says, oh, that's a really nice um, record collection you have there. I've got a paperclip. Would you like to trade? Whatever it is, I think he just has to accept the next trade that comes his way because he was the beneficiary of this one. And I think that the world is a little bit off kilter as a result. So he needs to kind of balance it back out by accepting a trade that's offered to him. And who knows, this one could be in his favor as well because this kid came to him ultimately. So I think you're right. I don't think he necessarily did anything wrong. But just to to even the scales, I think he needs to accept the next uh, trade that comes his way as well. I like that a lot. And... We're not going to do last names. Maybe his friends hear it and they'll capitalize really quickly. If not, I know he lives in Santa Cruz. So if you're on the Santa Cruz, you know, Facebook marketplace, sussing out some boards, you see in Austin, take a shot. Take a shot at it. Maybe you're going to discuss this person that you offer them, you know, a fin key for a brand new board. But um, maybe this happens to be the Austin he has to accept. Uh, Another thing really bears mentioning, he... There is a thing called, I think, voice notes, voice memo, where you could just record a note on your phone. Um, one of my favorite things about SurfSins is when people just film a video because they don't know that that exists. And he was in that crowd. It was a video of a poster of Bruce Irons doing a great carve. And I love that. Um, I actually welcome more of that. Uh, it, it was very nice. <laughs> Yeah, did you? There was part of me that really thought that something was going to happen on the video at some point. Like, I thought that it was going to, like, change, or I thought it was maybe, like, a when I first saw it, I thought maybe it was, like, a, a screen that was going to play some video or something like that, or it would pan over to his face or something. But no, it just stayed on Bruce the entire time, two, two minutes and 36 seconds. Which is bonus points in my book. <laughs> All right, so... Yeah, send your surf sins in to michael at stabbank.com, bucketstabbank.com, and we are here to heal you, to give you the penances that you need to become a whole person again. Become whole. You deserve it. It's your time. Oh, yeah. One last thing before we go, Buck. I have a bit of a hot rumor, something that's that's going on south of the equator. Is that actually south of the equator? I think it's south of the equator. Is Tahiti south of the equator? Well, it's around there. It's equatorial, at least. Um, so, at, as we know, Moana Jones, <laughs> Moana Jones won the first CT event of the year at Pipeline. She then went on to surf at Sunset. Um, unfortunately, didn't advance and hasn't gotten another wild card since. So, unlike Baron and Kayo, she was not able to earn herself a spot onto the CT by way of the mid-year cut. And this has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, even though. As we've come to understand it, the WSL kind of had their hands tied, like didn't even have wild cards to give out, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the point of this is we've heard that Moana Jones for the summer is moving to Tahiti. Her husband is Tahitian, so she has a pretty easy way to get in there visa-wise. And her plan is to just surf Chopu all season. Um, Obviously, one, it just kind of like upskills her for the winter season in Hawaii, and she gets to go surf this incredible, incredible wave, which is awesome. But she is trying to angle it, from what we understand, toward a wild card into that Tahiti CT event. Um, She really wants to make the CT, and she's thinking that, you know, maybe what if I got into this event and I won again? Would the WSL be kind of forced to give me a wild card next year? Um, So that is something that's happening. And as we know, the back half of the year, there's only going to be 12 women in CT events. So that's the 10 that make the mid-year cut, and then each event has a WSL wild card and an event wild card. 
or one of the wild cards for that event would have to be Vahine Fierro, the local Tahitian woman who surfs Chopo regularly. But because they have two wild cards, it's totally feasible that Moana could get that second spot. So, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting, is it not? It is. I mean, I, you said it the best. If, if It's a lock. It's a lock. Let's just hope she gets in and that the WSL has some like uh, crazy situation to deal with so we can all yell about it. Cause that's always fun. It's like a, it's like a hobby. It's part of it's part of the surfing experience, really. 